Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers, leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this Deep Sales, and LinkedIn has built the first Deep Sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's Wealth Building Wednesday. Mr. Breedwell, my co-host, how we morning. doing? I'm doing great, minus... Uh... Just a little bit of uh, action swinging both ways in the market. Makes it fun to be a financial advisor right now, obviously. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of action this weekend. There 100%. was action uh, in the crypto world, obviously closing out last week. Action in the market. We got some shifts going on in real estate, which I'm going to share um, some really good data with you guys today on kind of some vital signs of the real estate market and where things are at, where they're trending towards. Just to give you a little bit of a crystal ball, the market is not only shifting, it has shifted. This is past tense. This is past tense. We even thought it was going to take longer than it, it is shifting quick. Mainly because I think inflation rose quicker than people Everything. also anticipated. What's weird is a lot of the data and a lot of people analyzing the data are like, we knew... X was going to happen, but it happened like a fraction of the time. It took a fraction of the time to actually happen compared yeah. to what we expected it to. So we'll yep. dig in on some data there. Birthdays. I'm 34 now. I know you're 34. I'm, I'm coming old. up. I'm coming up on my birthday in five, six weeks. And actually, I'm an old man. One month man. from today. I just want to say thank you to all the... There was... A lot of listeners that texted the phone number and said happy birthday. A lot of people hit me up on Instagram, texts, phone calls. Why is it on your birthday you just feel so cool? Is it the thing? Like it, it feels cool. It's, you feel you it's feel your like, day. It's you and whoever else was born that day's day of 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 reckoning. Um, it's always fun to have your birthday. I got mine coming up. You know, in a month in June, yep. we gonna be celebrating you. 
Yep, that'll be fun. Every um, year I um it's funny. So like I, I had shared this with you. I actually had a buddy who got me a signed Larry Bird jersey because last year uh, yeah, Larry Bird was year. my my Larry Bird year, 33. Every year I like to, you know, pick a person or a persona to basically kind of embody, you know, that their mentality or kind of characteristics or what, you know, certain things were that I think they stood for. Um, last year, obviously, was my my Larry Bird year, thirty three, which was his his jersey number. And the three things that I wrote down because I write these down in uh, my little little journal and notes uh, for Larry Bird year, it was take every shot that's available, shooter shoot, and winners win when you never quit and you get your reps in. The second one was believe you can play at any level at the highest level, even when others don't. Larry Bird was the skinny little white dude that most people never thought was going to ever go anywhere with his professional career. And obviously dude became one of not only the most legendary shooters and Celtics of all time, but he was a beast and was just scrapping with the biggest and the best throw some bows and get scrappy when you need to respect is earned, not given. And man, as I was looking back on, you know, last year, I felt like I embodied a lot of those characteristics. It was, I think you did too. I think you, uh, I think you had your Rocky moment and, I mean, Balboa I was, I was up on the ropes. Balboa, not Rocky, but Rocky Balboa moment, uh, like in 2020. Yeah. And then you fucking stood up. <laughs> and this year, my mentality is going to re- resemble the most dominating center of all time, the Shaq Diesel. Matty Diesel is coming in for 34. And what I wrote down was no one to assert your dominance strategy plus power plus effort equals dangerous. Yes. Shaq was just an absolute animal, but he knew when to like assert the dominance. I never when got was to watch nest. him in his prime. Oh, dude, he was. I get to see clips, but when I saw him play, like, you know, he was a little older, so he was slower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He was... I, I know like Kobe and Shaq beefing Shaq. Into Phoenix Sun Shack, into Heat Shack, which was not, you know, which into was, Celtics and to like he, he went to the Celtics. Oh, yeah. He was See, on. this is how much I don't know about Shaq. Yeah. I know. I, I just like to watch the stuff when he was on the Magic and the, um, then he yeah, went to the Lakers. Players, if you were a Kings fan, which I have been a Kings fan, you love to hate him. But at the same time, you loved him too because he was so charismatic, so personable. But he was just like, when he got on the paint, he was just a fucking bully. Like, he was big. You, you get in his way. And that's one of the things that I love about him, right? Like, you get in my way when it's between me and you and a goal that I have in my sights, I will steamroll you. I will, I, will, like, you. I will do what is necessary to win. I've seen him in Obviously, person one time. Oh, uh, he's. He's holy a, crap, he's big. I can't even imagine him like as an like in his prime. Unit. My second thing that I wrote down was no easy buckets. When playing at a championship level, every point on the scoreboard is earned. And I think, yep. right, that mindset of like anytime he caught the ball down low, he knew he was getting fouled, hacked, like people were just taking swipes at him. And you just got to know that when you get to a certain level of achieving whatever it is that you really desire to achieve and you're playing with the best of the best, there ain't nothing's going to be easy. Everything's going to have to be earned. And the last one was turn criticism into motivation. 
noise is energy, channel it and use it to your advantage. Winners elevate under pressure. And I mean, so funny now, like, you know, people pray Shaq all the time, but back in the day, like he was always in the news and the headlines and people were always criticizing him and hating on him. And he's the biggest dude here and he should have done this better. And it's like, all he did was use that and, you know, turn it into motivation that allowed him to just keep just well, he's a put it in their face. He's a great businessman. Even today, he has a huge net worth. His net worth is north of four hundred and fifty million. I think it's up over a half a billion. Probably is now. I mean, yeah. the last I checked was a handful of years ago. But he's a beast. So that is my uh, that is my birthday spiel of thirty four. The year of dominance. Shaq slash Maddie Diesel coming in hot. Got some updates coming up this week. A lot of reports, some good economic things data coming out this yep. week that yep. I think yep. will be important to last be, week was very telling. Which so for the schedule this week, and I want to hear thoughts about last week. So this week on Tuesday, we got retail sales mm-hmm. coming out. We got Housing. industrial production and capacity utilization. Coming out Wednesday, we got mortgage purchase application, housing starts. Yeah, that'll be a good day. What is the architecture billings index? Nothing important. Okay. A leading indicator for commercial real estate is what it says. Okay. Not important. Thursday, the initial weekly unemployment claims. Yeah, that's important. Uh, the Philly Fed manufacturing that's survey, yep. existing home sales, that's which we'll be digging important. in a little bit on some of the recent data there. And we got Papa Pal. Yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday. That's probably the most testimony. That that is probably the most important thing that's happening. That's not just pure data because he's going to give you know opinion and and guidance. Um, my estimation is that he's going to let people know that yes, we're raising interest rates. Um, no, nothing's going wrong. Yes, it's a little hot, but we got things under control. And we're going to start, you know, in a couple of weeks, we're, the balance sheet's going to start, you know, shedding off some. They're going to start bleeding off the balance sheet. Yeah, yeah. And they said they're going to start doing that in June. Um, again, these are things that worry people, but every single time something's happened, nothing terrible has happened. So I'm hoping again that uh, that keeps sentiment higher than it, than it has been. Um, consumer sentiment's not terrible, but it's not great. Um, I think people are kind of looking for a catalyst uh, where to grasp moving forward. Some of the positive news from last week and even in, into this week and this through this weekend was that Ukraine is faring you know very well as they have been against Russia. It showed what that they kind of pushed Russian troops back a little bit further. I honestly do don't even know what to believe is true and not true, and I think that most that- of the shit that I hear coming out of the mainstream media now i just i, I just take listen it to a bbc very large grain of salt bbc says says it so i think it's probably right they're over there um and then uk intelligence has said you know they're pretty have no political they're like not trying to get into a war type deal uh so yeah they essentially just it looks like the russian troops are trying to push and they keep getting pushed back from major cities um, not that the, the war is over, but that they're not doing good, which is a positive because that's one of the big things that's, that's keeping the market down is pressure on that. Uh, stocks that are getting hit the hardest 
are all of the companies that were overvalued and you know didn't have a lot of you know metrics to support it. So mainly tech stocks. Um, a lot of clients have exposure there. I mean, I have a ton of exposure there. My portfolio is doing not great this year, but I'm buying a ton in it. So it, you know, there's opportunity. I think that a lot of people. Um, I just think a lot of people signed up for to be a boxer and forgot that you have to get hit. Yeah. And so people just uh, again and I I have to tell you know I've played this broken record for the not tons but the people that are calling, you know. Oh hey, my portfolio's down or I didn't realize this or I, you did. We talked about it. It was just well, you just gravy, and now you're yeah, actually yeah, we'll, face the music. Yeah, exactly. You weren't worried when your account was up six, seven, eight percent in a day. It can just do the opposite, and just like it's doing the opposite now, it can flip on its head and do the opposite again. So, um, you know, I just think people tend to have an emotional attachment to money, like I said, and they treat it the opposite of how you're supposed to when you invest. Everybody wants to buy in high and sell low instead of buying in low and selling high. Uh, it's, it's, it's honestly, I just scratched my head because all I say, I just ask people, I'm like, oh, okay, you have a, what do you, what should you buy? Well, we, why don't we just sell and go to cash? Well, because you haven't finished that sentence. That means that we know when to get back in. What if we sold and went to cash and the market started rebounding the next day? You can't do that. Yep. You have to ride your losses as long as you buy quality. I don't buy anything but quality. Sometimes I speculate a little bit, but I mean like, small percentages. Sure. Most of the items that we buy for our clients are high quality. Um, and so that for people that took a lot of risk, they, again, they took a lot of risk. And I told people, some people that wanted to get into the investments that I'm in, you know, hey, you realize this that, you know, we're trying to beat the market. So we're going to, you know, take risk at or above the market. Oh yeah, no problem. And then, you know, maybe we're down or definitely down in my portfolio more than the stock market. And people are kind of scratching. They're like, oh man, I didn't realize that my portfolio could be down 40%. I said, yeah, we talked about it. It might've just gone in one ear and went out the other because you're seeing green. But that's something that we definitely talk about. It's part of investing is losing money and taking big losses is part of taking big wins. A very easy example is if you just put 100% of your money in the S&P 500 in 2007 and just kept it there. Through 2008, through 2009, in March of 2009, you would have started rebounding. It would have taken you about a year and a half to make all that money back. Mm -hmm. But if you were sitting here today with that exact position, you haven't touched it at all, you would have gone through all the other BS, you would still have a shitload more money than when you started. And it's... Everybody can sit here and nod their head and know that's a fact. And then we'll look at their portfolios and completely forget that. It's like, and I'm blind again. Yeah. And so... All I have to do is just, you know, I don't really baby people. I tell people exactly how it is. Um, you know, hey, if we're going to take losses, it's part of investing. We have to stay fully invested. For more of my retirees, we've gone, we're more tactical and we trade quite more often. Right. Um, so we've gone to a full bearish position to protect their money more. So actually, the market being down is a good thing for them right now because that means their portfolios are up. They're inversely correlated. And then like, on par correlated when the market goes up, meaning they stay flat or barely make any money. Um, it's just hard to predict what, what's going to happen moving forward in the short term. I know what will happen in the long term. 
Yeah. But when you're managing people's monies and they're taking withdrawals from those accounts, you have to treat them a little bit different. Yeah. They can afford to take some losses. They just can't afford the losses that like I'm taking in my account. Um, so it's, again, I talked about it a couple weeks ago about treating your investments like a house. We talked about um, how you know things go up and down in the stock market just, they, just like they do in the housing market. And I don't know if we're seeing a dip in prices right now. I think we're seeing a change in the housing market in how the purchasing and selling of homes is happening. Um, you know, I was talking to my, I was talking to my mom, and she goes, "Oh, hey, you know, your dad is wanting to potentially sell one of his houses, and it's their primary that they're the one right now." And he's, you know, I'm I'm looking pulling just basic data numbers. And he's looking to get, you know, in his neighborhood, he can get like 337, 340 a square foot, which would be about a million dollars, million one, maybe for his house. And she goes, oh yeah, well, your dad wants 1.2. I go, well, you should have sold six months ago. Probably would have got that. But 391 a square foot to 340 a square foot, there's, there's no comps. You guys are already at the top of your market for your house. There's no comps for that. So people are going to start running into that. And it's even going to trick savvier people, like maybe my dad, um, into thinking that he might be even be able to get more money. Now, could he still? Absolutely. Because there's a buyer somewhere that thinks the market might be hotter than it is. Um, there's always people that are going to do that kind of stuff. But I'm seeing a slowing, just, you just have to go look at mortgage application index. It's down quite a bit because the cost of money mm-hmm. is going up quite a bit. And you get a double end squeeze. You get lower income individuals that can't afford that mm-hmm. or they can still afford the money, but they have to go into houses that are into their buying range and there's not enough inventory right now to supply that. Yeah. And then on the top end, wealthy people are like, ah, I am not paying that much money for money because they've been lulled into this idea over the past 40 years that when you have a lot of money, you don't pay a lot for money because that's how money was underwritten for the past 40 plus years. We're in a, in a dropping, you know, a lowering interest rate environment. Now, people, it, it, that will be the case, but you're going to pay two, three times for your money what you did eight, nine months ago. And that's just going to be, unfortunately, the story for the time being. It doesn't mean that the asset is bad. It just means the cost to use that asset is a lot more. And unfortunately, that's the way that it goes. Um, the good thing with all of that is when cost of money goes up, real assets tend to still hold their value, they just stop rising in value as much because people can't buy them as often. And mm-hmm. then you, you get a lot more supply into yep. the market. So the days of 2019 and 2020 and partially 2021 <laughs> are probably gone, like we were saying. But it still doesn't mean that, that real estate's a bad asset. It's Hell just, no. It's, it's just going to go back to what it was. I mean, it, it, the reality of the situation is... It's hard to argue that right now there is no better hedge against inflation or investment vehicle... And, and store of value than real estate. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to argue that data right now. And with the Fed, you know, getting rid of this once in a lifetime liquidity that they kind of breathed into the market as a whole, you know, now that that party is over, people are just having to face, like, it, it's crazy to me how many people got lulled into like expecting this to be like a forever we're going to party for the rest of our life type of mentality when it came to 
cost of money when it came to, I invest in this and it goes up 10%. Like it literally, I think brainwashed at least not institutional, right? Institutional players. I was telling people the whole time, this is not going to happen forever. I literally think back to this. But, and but I, the retail investor, yeah, right? I think back to this one kid. I remember him fucking trying to big, oh, he was trying to big dick me so hard on the phone, like showing me his returns. Because I mean, no doubt. I mean, he had massive returns. And he's, I mean, again, a little Indian kid. And it was, he was trying to tell me this and that and this and that and this. And I think right now, dude, he's, he's, he has a position. He's down like 88%. And I guarantee you he does. And I hope he's listening. Uh, hope you're listening. Oh my gosh. That just, it honestly, that's what makes me laugh sometimes is people get so brazen. And then again, some of those people um, are now kind of questioning like, oh man, I didn't realize I was taking the, the amount of risks that I was taking. And it's because you are 100% blind to that when uh, that happens. Actually, CNBC just had a, a documentary last night that I was watching uh, called, uh, which was on the Diamond Hands thing. It was two hours long and they did the whole GME stock uh, thing. And it was funny to listen to the retail investors they had on there, the ones that were investing in it. Because although I agree with them, you know, they were making, they're like, yeah, we were trying to, you know, we feel like the stock was manipulated, which I do think it was to a degree on both ends. You are not illegally, just so everybody knows, you cannot create chat rooms and then tell people to go in and buy a stock. And then everybody buys a stock, drives the value up. And then you try to, you know, sell it. that's, That's market manipulation. Just like, you shouldn't be able to short a stock to 120, 140%, 150% because that manipulates the price as well. Legally, that's the legal way to do it. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of money to do it that way, which is why it's legal. Um, but the bottom line is those investors were still like, but you know what? I'm going to try to stick it. And this is where I was like, ah, now they're going to lose me because now they're... Anytime you try and stick it to the big man. No, like not even like that. I don't care about that. You can have that mentality. You just can't be... It's, it's emotional investing. And it, it goes back to all those people will probably lose their money because they're gonna they're gonna hold out on a hold out on a quality stock. Go do that to GE. Don't do it to don't do it to GME. Don't do it to GameStop. Don't do it to AMC. I mean, those are not companies that hold it's the right idea with the wrong execution. Mm. And that's the problem with again allowing uneducated people to invest their own money. And there's a reason, and right now proves it, that the majority of retail investors average less than inflation over a long period of time on rates of return on their investment accounts. Because they're constantly Because they're constantly selling out on the low and buying in on the high. And then I hear from people all the time, and this is the, the telltale sign of, a, of a, a, an emotional investor. I lost 99% not possible. Literally not possible. Show me where you lost 99% investing in the... I'm talking to somebody who had a 401k. So mm-hmm. the investments in there literally cannot lose that amount of money. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. I lost 99% of my portfolio. And I'm like, oh God, here we go. Some idiot trying to tell me... Here, let me actually probably tell you what happened. You saw your account start going down. So you bought something else. 
and then it started going down, and then you bought something else, and then it started going down. And so you lost 30, 20, 10, 15. You just kept buying stuff instead of holding your one asset. And it would have continued to go down, but it would have moderated at around 30 or 40, and then it would have stayed there. And people just don't do that. And so right now, even though I'm not here to tell you, I mean, in some of our accounts that were being more tactical, like I said, we're making money for investors when the market's going down. But I'm not making money for the majority of my clients right now. I'm trying not to lose a ton of money, minus for my growth-focused investors. Mm-hmm. It's time to lose some money. And if you're smart, like a lot of my clients are, you're reaching out I to know. buy. Yep. Um, it's, it's Warren Buffett just did it last week. He just bought a crap load more stock. He Loaded just up on big energy stocks. Yep. yep. And he's in, and, and that's, that's the number everybody likes. His, his everybody MO. likes to freaking go follow all these wealth building pages that post all these quotes about when times are rough, you got to buy and to buy when there's, and people are like, yeah, we got to. And then when it's time to, when there's time it's to like put rubber to the crickets. road, crickets. Which is exactly why you keep somebody like me around. I'm not afraid. You know, there's a reason that you I, have to have somebody who's willing to pull the trigger. Yeah, you can be the, you can be the king, but I'll be your military because we all know you're afraid to pick up the sword and go fight the fight. That's what I'm here for, and then you pay me for that. There's nobody. Yep. There's nobody better to handle your money than not you. I'm telling. If you're listening to this show and you do not have a license like I do, you don't have professionals as a. There's nobody to manage your real estate better than a professional real estate manager. All right, Matt? Do you think you can probably beat the majority of real estate investors if I put 100 in a room? Yes. You're going to be in the top 2%. Yes. 100%. Yeah. I know I am too. And everybody can sit out here like that one kid did to me and my returns right now are better. Ah, uh, okay. Because they're so blind. They've never had long-term success and they're just looking at the tip of their nose and seeing a little shininess and they yeah. just to the top of the mountain. This is when it gets hard, boys and girls. But this is when it's time to do this. This is when you earn oh. your stripes. And I'll tell you what, everybody who takes my advice and everybody, all of my clients who listen to me and everybody who's prudent and everybody, even if the market slides another 10%, if everybody keeps their calm and does what you're supposed to do, you buy things when they're on sale. You don't, you don't run away from sales. Nordstrom rarely ever has a sale. It's like once a year. The stock market rarely has a recession. It's about once every four and a half to five years. But when it happens, Nordstrom is packed to the brim of people of all shapes and sizes buying things that they can't afford. Be that way with your investments. Buy quality. And if you don't know how to buy quality, find somebody who does. I'm right here. Been here for three years. Nothing's changed. Minus the address one time. <laughs> it's, it's, it is very interesting to see the downfall of retail investors. in Because most people, like you said, right, haven't been through a full ever, a true full market cycle. Correct. 2020 was not a mark. And, and this is the problem. With it tricked people and they're like, oh, we just dipped by. Mm-mm. Nope. It'll take, it'll take, I t- people are like, oh, you know. It t- takes a year or two to shake things out 100%. to really find the bottom of the market, which is the same thing we saw back in 2008. It should, it should be quicker. 2009 than, in should, the real estate market, which is a little slower than, right. We should find the bottom in the stock market quicker because of what's going on. People have the ability to sell faster now. It's at their, it's on their phones. Mm-hmm. 
So that's going to happen quicker, but it doesn't mean that it rebounds as fast. It could because that same metric that makes it fall fast could make it rise quicker. You know, with the advent, we, we saw that in 2020. That's literally why, I mean, Robinhood, be it all the negative that it did, they opened hundreds of thousands of investor accounts, which buoyed the market to a whole, mm-hmm. uh, to a small degree, excuse me. Um, so that is still, that could also, I, I, we just never seen that play out. So I don't want to say, yes, that'll happen, but it, we should find the bottom pretty quick. I don't think, I'm already down 20%. I don't see a, there's no, 2000, it was a financial crisis due to illegal activity. There's nothing illegal going on here, guys. Inflation is completely fine and, and, and not outlawed. It's a metric of how finances work. Uh, the war in Ukraine is definitely illegal and that should not be happening, but that's a, that's a geopolitical issue that's far away from us and mm-hmm. we're only involved from a monetar- monetary and political perspective. Um, we don't have that big of issues to deal with at home minus inflation. And if we can stop sending all this money over to Ukraine, that would be a good thing. I feel for Ukraine, and I think that we could definitely provide assistance to a substantial level. Just maybe not stroking you know, a $40 billion check at a time would be prudent to do. We just saw what happens when you stroke big checks and big chunks with uh, what's going on right now with inflation. So that's not going to tame itself if we keep spending money haphazardly like we have. We've got some GDP forecasts from, you know, bigger institutional players like B of A, Goldman, yeah. the Atlanta Fed. Now it's not negative. So that's a good thing, right? Most, yep. most of these predictions are not negative in terms of quarter over quarter GDP growth. So really from what we're seeing anywhere from 1.8 to let's say high two percentages mm-hmm. of GDP growth. So that would essentially keep us out of quote unquote recessionary waters. Is that correct? It, yes. Now you have to keep in mind that inflation number, I know it sounds weird and it doesn't go against it on par, but you know, having 8% inflation and 2% GDP growth is not a great thing, right? Um, that's negative purchasing power for a retail investor, meaning we pay more. Um, but the economy growing at a 2 to 3% rate, that's kind of been the norm for a while. So I don't really think that that's a huge deal. Uh, would we want the economy to grow a little quicker? Absolutely. But uh, positive GDP is just that, positive GDP. Um, I think what's more important, like you are alluding to, is kind of what is going to go on when Jerome Powell talks. What is he going to say is happening moving forward? People are going to care more about actions um, and intent uh, from the Fed than kind of the data that comes out. Data is important, but we obviously just saw that we had a ton of positive data from companies reporting Mm. earnings, Mm -hmm. and that was not enough to influence the market, which historically, in the majority of the time, it is. Um, Most people made that bet, including us, and that wasn't the right bet to make. So we had to kind of back up on our heels and go back and reallocate. Um, But I think that, to your point, right, is... The data and historical trends don't always predict the future as well. No. Which in the, ca- in, in the past, you've heard a lot of economists hang their hat on historical trends and data predict the future. 
And the reality of the situation is like what happened with the pandemic, this black swan event, you know, this insane amount of liquidity that was pumped into the economy. Variables now in terms of technology and global landscapes and all of these inner workings, it's just different than what it's way more con like convoluted and complicated than it was back in the 80s. Yeah. And the back in the, you know, two early 2000s. And it probably will be that way as well in the 2030s when something else happens that, you know, because yeah. there's, there's different variables in the equation now that I think people have to understand is, yeah, for sure. You can go back and look at historical data. I love data because it really is one of the best crystal balls that you can at least start connecting some dots and going, oh, okay, that makes sense. Or, oh, those things are correlated because of X, Y, and Z. I, I, I get that. But there's also the reality of the situation that I think people have to understand is don't hang your hat on that as if it's law and, 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 and truth, right? Yeah. For every scenario going forward. No, and uh, the... Um... Everybody should know that historical data is definitely not indicative. It's just what we can we can best say when this happened before, yeah. here was the environment and this is what happened. And then we can best try to apply that to what is happening today because that's what everybody tries to do. I think the other thing that um, is going on right now, and again, the main sectors of the economy that are getting beat up is technology, um, is they have this kind of this rotation into okay, the market's going bad. Well, no problem. The Fed will just cut interest rates. That has literally since 1996, that's when it started, 2008, is when they first, that's when they said they could do it. 2008 is the first time it happened. And then every single time since then, anytime the market gets bad, they just cut rates, which is why you had said, oh, hey, I heard maybe they might do an interest rate cut. Hell no. You, they literally, you want to talk about a recession happening, that's when it would happen. They have to keep raising interest rates. And it's going to be at the loss of the economy, which it's supposed to because people are going to sell out of stuff that used to be good. It is meant to slow the economy. Literally, it's supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. They have to make sure they don't raise interest rates too much because if you slow it too much, you know, you, don't, you want to let air out of the tire, not slice it. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's the deal. So what will eventually happen is, you know, let's go back to that analogy. We're driving our car. The tire is low. We pull over. We refill the tire up. That's people selling off, rotating out of assets that just cannot fare well into the future. Mm -hmm. They're selling a lot of overpriced tech, which is beating up tech as an overall at the whole sector. There's a lot of opportunity there. But you're not going to see AMC and GME do what they did. You're not going to see low quality SPACs come out and all these IPOs come out of all these BS companies. There, people are going to, to start demanding quality balance sheets and yield. Yep. And tech companies can't pay it because they're heavily leveraged. And when they're heavily leveraged like they are and money costs a ton, they can't afford to do stock buybacks, which keeps their price going back up. So again, these are all the metrics of what's going on. And when you understand it, it's not as scary. I get as a retail investor how scary it can be um, when you see your accounts losing value. Um, but you haven't lost anything. You just have quantity of securities that are worth less. So the thing to do is hold and hopefully you get paid yield, which everybody's accounts do, and you ride the wave. You have to do that. 
I'm not telling everybody to say whatever you buy to hold. I'm saying for my clients, I know what we've bought. It's all good. We're going to hold that through the storm. And then when we recover, we're going to have a better fairing and a better account value than we did. The prior 12 months to every stock market decline has been followed with a higher uptrend Mm -hmm. that doesn't fully recover you. If you lose 50, you got to make 100 and about two to break even. But if the market goes down by 50 in the following few months or 67%, don't you want to be a part of the 67% so it takes a little bit of less time to get your account back to, accounts back to par value? Don't you want all the dividends paid and all those free stocks reinvested during that low period? Not your money, but company's money. That's how you have to think about your investments. So did the tech bubble pop? In your opinion, there's no, there was no really tech bubble. There was just an overpricing. I think everybody likes since 2008. Well, what, the sexy what would you, thing has been to say bubble. And, I would say, how would you classify a bubble in your world? Like 2008, that's a bubble. That's a crisis. That is as illegal activity happening with no consumer input at all. This is completely done. I mean, this is almost like somebody touching a stove and bitching and moaning that their hands burnt. People should have known. There was advisors everywhere and economists saying, this is overpriced. And they were wrong for the time being. But they are not wrong now. And again, people have to realize that stocks are discounting mechanisms. All they are is ownership in a company. And you have to hope that when you buy that, the, own, the company does something to increase the value of your ownership. It's not speculation because you actually own something like cash flow of the company equity of the company. But to a, to a boiled down degree, you are speculating that that company is going to earn money in the future and their value has to be lower than what it could be in the future. Given all these inputs, you cannot buy stuff from companies that have no cash flow, have never made money, and then think that they're going to make money in the long term. Look at Twitter. Great example. Look at Uber. Look at Lyft. Look at um, a Coinbase. I mean, even a profitable company trading at 60, 70% off its lows. You have to have quality companies with quality balance sheets that for a long period of time can earn people money. Wall Street is not in the business of being stock pickers. That's what day traders are for and short sellers do. They're long-term investors. They, institutions don't want to spend a ton of money and time mm-hmm. on constantly rotating their portfolios. They do get in and out of quality. But if you go look at, I mean, the majority of, of ETFs or mutual funds, they're going to have your telltale names. Apple, Microsoft, Pfizer, Google, Netflix, Facebook. They're going to have all of those names in them because those companies are big enough to predict long-term trends. Is Facebook down 40% or more year-to-date? Yeah. Are institutions buying it? 100%. We did. Because at some point, it's like, all right, perfect. Yep, down 50%. I'll even write it down another 10 because I know it's going to come back up. Yeah. Oh, Apple's down 30%. No problem. Time to shave it off. I'll keep going on. I'll keep hitting that resist. Oh, it's down to 130. I see the resistance at about 178, 184 right now. There's $50 upside. I'll ride it sideways for a bit. I don't care. Just people don't think about their money that way. Yeah. And then when people, when they're offered things that protect their money for a give up on the upside, then the opposite becomes truer than that there's not enough upside because there's not enough risk. 
everybody tends to want their cake and to eat it too in all facets and don't want to take any sort of risk. And that's the, that's the fallacy of this, this new dream of getting rich quick. I mean, but I would even, I would ask people, you are, and, and trust me, I can quantify this with data. You're a, you're a multimillionaire tomorrow. Then what? And none of you can answer the question. So speaking of bubbles, crypto. Yeah. This last week was a not not a not a rocky week. It was a yeah, it was cliff drop. Eleven percent week. Is that what we did? Down. We, we we saw a significant amount of income or or um we saw a significant amount of capital flow out of the crypto space. At one this, point on Wednesday of last week, or was it Thursday? Wednesday to Thursday, I guess, because this is hard. The crypto market never closes. So depending on where you were between Wednesday and Thursday of last week, um, Bitcoin was down around 25000 And it's still right now, as I speak, is trading at twenty nine six with a market cap of $564 billion. And I think we were mentioning that four or five weeks ago, Although right we were getting, we had got kicked market. in the shins, we were right below a trillion. That's so much money moving so quickly. And then we have, uh, again, where are my Bitcoin lovers at? Gone. The stable coins. And then you have UST tanking because it's not, it's pegged by another cryptocurrency. Stupid. Who thought that was going to work? And then you have the larger, I mean, uh, Coinbase removed their graphs off of Coinbase so people would stop freaking out about it. Look, if you go look at Tether, it will not show oh, its wow. graph. It just shows its value. It won't show the graph. That also should not be illegal, just so you know. And I'm a Coinbase user. I don't care if any of you guys are haters on that. I'm not serious about crypto. Um, that is, that is... You want to talk about institution. It's so funny. We have all these... Every time somebody gets to the top of a mountain and screams that they're going to do something for the little guy, it tends to be the exact opposite. We see that with the Democratic Party. We saw that with streaming services. I mean, shit, now all the streaming services come out. Oh, let's get, let me, you know, let's make a show that you have to sign up for our streaming service to see. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's the new thing. Oh, we're all $19 a month. Now you're freaking, you want five TV shows, you're $100 a month out of your pocket and you could just be buying TV for 30 bucks a month from AT&T or Comcast or whatever your provider is. There's your first trick. Then you have, you have BLM. You have Black Lives Matter, um, which, you know, people that still follow that, um, shout out to all my African-American clients and friends, you know, I love you. Um, people that follow that, I mean, how you could still sit back and like be like, oh yeah, everything is cush, you know? Patrice Colors, she's got just, you know, five balling ass houses out of nowhere, but always owns not-for-profits. I mean, I, you, just people are like literally that freaking stupid. Um, it, you have all of this stuff, all these people, when somebody has to tell you that you need them because they're going to help you, Minus me, of course, because I ain't no Democrat. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> that was a good one. You that like that? Good. that but like no, that. when people say that you need to put them in power, really, in order for them to help you, 
you are you are relinquishing your freedoms and powers. That is a huge red flag. But people continuously, for some reason, especially over the past 10 years, have moved and trend that way because they get emotionally upset by a candidate that says mean things or this and that. Were y'all ever in elementary school? Did you guys ever talk shit to people? I did. Did you guys ever know somebody that was a bad, you know, a little, I was that little kid on the playground. I was the line pusher. If you ask people about me in middle school and elementary school, they'll tell you, man, Ryan wasn't, Ryan was a little shithead. But nowadays, if you ask those people who I am, just because somebody's, you know, a little bit of a, oh yeah, I don't like Donald Trump because he's being mean. He says this stuff. I completely agree with you, but can we go boil down to policy and see what was going on with the economy? I mean, do you really vote on somebody because how they tweet? Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. The same I mean, thing is, yes, yeah, yes, people do. I, exactly. When are people going to start voting with their freaking wallets? I think people are starting to wake up, though. I, I do. I think the midterms, obviously, will I'm excited. be an, a, a, an indicator as to where the pendulum is at or swinging towards. Because right now, I think there was a big poll that came out that Democrats, it is the largest negative overall sentiment of the Democratic Party in over like what, 40 or 50 years, I think is what the poll said. I'm literally, the, the guys, the dudes helping out my pool right now. Hispanic, Hispanic guys, really great dudes, super funny. But they're, they were joking with me in the backyard that they're like, we thought we don't want Trump, but we want Trump back. <laughs> you know, they're like Are literally you- saying that. And I'm like, I'm cracking up because, dude, that was the base that they really pushed, you know, Hispanic, African-American, mm-hmm. um, let, uh, excuse me if I'm saying that wrong, Hispanic, Latino, Latina. I'll try to be as encompassing as I can, not trying to step on any toes. That is the people that were lied to. Lower income earners were lied to. And they were told, these wealthy conservatives have, have put you in this position. 
And there's a lot of people that would definitely fit that moniker. The Koch brothers would fit that moniker. Uh, there's a lot of people that make a lot of money that are not good. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot more people that make a lot of money that are good. Yep. And I don't, I don't know why people have been like tricked. I mean, if we really want to rewind this, Republican Party, the party that freed slaves, is now the, the party that gets bashed for being the most racist. And there's racist people on both sides. There's extreme left-wingers that I would argue are racist towards white people. And there's extreme right-wing people that I would argue are racist towards people of color. Mm-hmm. Both are not acceptable, yep. in my opinion. Yep. I don't care if you're a Democrat. You can be a Democrat and you can be a nice person and think differently than me and we can just vote. Yeah. And the majority wins and welcome yep. to America. Um, if we boil it back down to what it needs to get back to, we, I wear different shoes than you. And that's the same. That should be how people think about voting. I may not like those shoes, but you can wear them and you can like them. And they're totally fine and they still work as shoes. You know what I mean? Yep. It's that serious. And it also needs to get back to where it's nobody's business about your politics. And you should not be talking about politics with people. We talk about politics on the show because we have a show where people come to listen for that. And we try to make that as a, a talking point. I think point. we should be able to talk about politics. I just think that not the, in the a, cancel, yeah, the division. Not a who do you vote for and let me right, judge you like, because of who you vote just, for. That, that to me, again, now it's like this, this identity badge that... Because I mean, we said on, it's like gangs. Yeah. I and mean, it's not. It literally has become that. And I just think, you know, at the end of the day... Man, we're all human beings. We're all fucked up in our own way. We're all doing the best we can. We're all tr- trying to get more and be better and, and, and improve and, you know, move the needle forward and make things better mm-hmm. for our families. And it's like, you know, just because there's a million different pathways of getting there and doing that, you know, if you're a good person, good morals, good ethics, whether it's somebody who, you know, is Islamic or it's somebody who is Russian or it's something like, I again I always just I don't understand where this golden rule has just gone out the window and you know when I was just on our trip I mean literally two of the four people at the table are conservative me being one of the parties the other two are completely the opposite buddhist you know one person's buddhist one person's atheist somebody very conservative and you know christian me being kind of whatever, you know, I, I'm just not there to cause any issues. Everybody was getting along great. Yeah. They even brought up, because uh, it comes up all the time, you know, jokingly about politics and it was laughed about. That needs to be the, I was on a business trip again. That needs to be the, yeah. the not the, you know, when I, I was I think in, we're all, again, we're all on team human, you know? And it's like when you really strip down color, you strip especially down Especially right gender, now with the economy. De- this is when it's going to, I think, f- everybody's going to figure it out. Hey, when we're making money, it's fun to fight. But now nobody's making money. Wow. We You're not come, making money too? We all come back. Holy cow. I'm not making money. Wow. Well, okay, there's we common ground. back to the table. I don't like this. Whoa, wait. You don't like that either? Okay. Closer. Yeah. You well, you're mad about this? Yeah, I'm mad about this. Closer. Which is what we're feeling right now, right? I agree. It's like all Some this sort of division in the wedge and the wedge and the wedge and the wedge. And then you like look up and you realize that we're actually at the end of the day in the same boat. But all of a sudden, people were made to feel like they're so different or that we're so divided. And it's like, no, nah, we actually both feel the same way about this. Okay. 
like you said, right? So I think hopefully my, my, my hope is that it's going to trend in the opposite direction that it has been trending over the last couple of years and that mm-hmm. it almost has been pushed on to people to Spoon believe fed, yeah. is the reality of the situation when really it's not. And so I think we'll start to see some of that stuff stripped down and truth and realities hopefully converge back to us getting more on the same page of supporting one another and doing collectively what I think everyone is wanting Yep. outside of these small fringe minorities, which seem to have the largest microphones and spotlight on them. So so it's going to be very interesting, but I think in terms of opportunity, guys, these are the times that opportunities are out there everywhere and they are going to be life-changing for a lot of people. You know, like the last couple... There's people that have over-leveraged and they're going to be... There's a a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people that have bought and invested in real estate over... And and many of them will say... eight months experience. That and, and even then we'll just say like we could... Let's remove investors just from the conversation for a quick second. There's a very large group of people you know, and populace over the last 36 months, four years really that have bought real estate that may not have done their research or their homework or built the proper disciplines. They've elevated their lifestyle or they've elevated their exposure without doing the proper research, building the proper disciplines, building the necessary moats and safety nets around their lifestyle. All sense of hope is, is a, is a trick. And so when that party, you know, when the music stops playing and the lights come on and you're like, Oh shit. Okay. Um, calling my loan. There's going to be percentages of people, you know, good chunks. And I think, you know, percentages of, of people that ultimately they, they just over, Leverage. They, and they got out in front of their skis a little bit too far and they have too much momentum swinging in the wrong direction. And it's yep. a little bit too late to recover from that. Yep. And so there's going to be massive opportunities here. And I wanted to give you guys um, this report. You know, we, I pay for, we've got CoStar, uh, which is, you know, <laughs> very expensive, thousands of dollars a year to get access to data. But it is insanely valuable data that helps me and my business understand what kind of landscape, depending on you know what vertical of real estate or vehicle of real estate investment you're playing in, but just the overall you know data around the economy as well. And there's another report that I subscribe to that I really like as well. Um, it's called the the Robert Campbell Report, and this guy's been produce, uh, publishing. Reports. It's called the uh, the Campbell Real Estate Timing Letter, and it's something that he does. I think the the subscription is like hundred and fifty bucks a year. Like it's very minimal um, compared to let's say a CoStar. But the data this dude puts out is phenomenal. And one of the things that we're seeing here is that trends are shifting and swinging back in the real estate world into a direction that. Many people have not felt or seen in a really long time. And so how do you discern what that data is telling you? So just to give you some... I'm going to give you guys some kind of 
um, five data points that you know we call as vital signs, right? Like the overall health things that we track to understand the health of the real estate market as a whole. And I'm going to get into those in a second. But to give you an idea in terms of you know, some of the things that we're seeing in the data front, US home price gains are the highest ever. And this is going back to, we'll say, March. But these are the highest ever. And you know, nationally, home prices increased 21% year over year in March, which represented the largest annual rate of growth in the 46-year history of the CoreLogic Home Price Index. I want you guys to take that in for a second. 21% year over year home price growth, which is the largest annual rate of growth in the 46 years that they've been tracking this data. And since February, home prices have increased by 3.3%, up another 1.2% month over month um, from January. And that was almost double the 11.3% annual gain from March a year ago, which at that time was the highest annual gain since March of 2006. So obviously, you guys know where we were at in the economy, at least in the real estate market, in 2006. That was the dark, that was kind of the slow, and then it like went off a cliff in 2008, right? Mm-hmm. 2007, 2000, 2006 was the peak. And then it started to, did it moderate or did it start to go down? No, it started to moderate in seven and then and It was kind of like this? Yep. And then it went like that with, yeah. with the stock market. Correct. And okay. here's some of the things that obviously, right. you know, were tied to that was affordability was at an all-time low when oh. it came to how much people were yeah. making they had to... They stethoscope to underwrite you for a loan too. They just were looking like, for a heartbeat. Yeah. Could you like, fog a mirror? breathe? Right? So another thing that is starting to present more data on that really was non-existent for quite some time that told about the overall health of the uh, you know, real estate market was foreclosure activity. Foreclosure activity continues to trend upwards and it right now is at a two-year high. Obviously, we know, you know over the last two years, right, moratoriums, and all of these things that prevented people from moving forward on foreclosure. Well, now moratoriums have expired and lenders are starting to resume foreclosure starts and bank repossessions. And RealtyTrack, the largest online marketplace for foreclosure uh, and distressed properties, reported there were a total of 78,000 US properties with a foreclosure filing during Q1 of 2022. This was a almost 40% increase from the previous quarter and 132% increase from a year ago. So is it drastic? No, the percentage may make it feel that way. But again, it's because there was just nothing going on a year ago. And therefore, now that foreclosure starts are happening again, it feels like it might be a little bit more aggressive than it actually is. But at the end of the day, you know, we're still seeing now foreclosure filings increase in all 48 states. Um, and the highest uh, percentage and change of year-over-year foreclosure filings is coming in Michigan, which was 490%, Nevada, 488%, Colorado, 385%, New York, 262 and Vermont, 200 I think California ranked number 12 on the list and they were up around 120%. But again, trends, right? So 
we're starting to see more distress now. Uh-oh, I don't have a safety net. Uh-oh, they're not letting me do forbearance plans. Uh-oh, I don't have stimulus money coming to you know, save the day. Moratoriums aren't going to save the day. Well, guess what? Now we're starting to see people have to face the reality of some of these things that ultimately they weren't forced to face before. So again, another piece of data that again is just getting thrown into the equation that we can look at to identify where is the market heading. So even with the large year-over-year increase in foreclosure activity though, most housing markets, you know, um, I think a lot of analysts are mistakenly tend to downplay these rising numbers because foreclosure activity is still running well below historical norms. So it's not a big, big concern right now. But again, we're starting to see some more data show that you know there are some issues potentially starting to brew. Yep. And when mortgage defaults are increasing, real estate prices historically tend to decline. And when they are decreasing, real estate prices are likely to rise, right? So we're seeing these things now start to present themselves. And I just think too, you know, we've been on a 10-year rip-roaring bull market with housing prices. And the stock market. And the stock market, right? And there's this new generation of real estate investors and property owners that has never experienced a bull market. I mean, since 2000. Wow, Matt, are you telling me you have the same type of investors? We have a I problem have? here. <laughs> and that could be ready to change. And the slow and grinding process of home prices reverting back to the mean is likely to be surprising and probably painful for certain people who don't want to face the reality of the situation. So I think we ultimately are going to start to see, you know, people have to retool, re-strategize, and ultimately there's going to be a good chunk of those people who just don't have the means to do so. Yes. And then I will say this again, until we get a different administration, doesn't have to be a Republican per se, but right now more conservative leaders tend to provide those outlets Mm -hmm. or forward thinking initiatives rather than the other side. Yep. Till we get a somebody in or leadership in that's going to enact policies that allow for that, the rich will continue to get rich and the poor will continue to get poor. I promise you, I won't, I'm not going to have the best, well, I'll have a better year than I had last year. Shocker. But it ain't going to be my best growth year ever. It isn't going to affect me though. None of this stuff this year will affect me or my company or anything. In fact, it will just provide opportunity for us. If you are an established and well-diversified investment advisor and finance firm, which I am and we are, market volatility is a way is, is years where you obtain a lot of business and then that business grows. Yep. Um, be weary of gurus moving forward. All you people that listen to them are now feeling the wrath of that. Make sure you listen to people that could be gurus like me and Matt and choose not to be and then provide free information for you and give you opportunities to then work with us and then make actual money with real returns. Take advantage of that. If you haven't got on Matt's deals list, make sure you text the word deals to 844-447-1555. Obviously for accredited investors only, if I need to say that, if you don't know what that is, please don't text the word deals to 844-447-1555. And if you need to get a financial x-ray, especially right now, even if your accounts are down, 
maybe we can do something and reallocate and for the long term do better. And most of the time we can quantify that. Text the word X-ray to 844-447-1555. I have a lot of people reaching out um, about how to then deploy money that they've made into real estate stuff. That's I can connect you with Matt if I see that it's appropriate and you could qualify for stuff like that. But the bottom line is, the ball is in your guys' court. There's a ton of opportunity right now. If you have money sitting on the sidelines, if you have deals closing out from real estate sales, you need to redeploy that. It needs to be either redeployed into something that maybe Matt could help you out with or something that I might be able to help you out with. And in the long term, it's going to really favor you. You still have your uh, San Antonio... Yeah, we, yeah, we have that open for about another 30 days for, so, for the hotel. A couple hundred more grand. Yeah, we're, we're I think, about 600K left on top and off that equity raise. That, so, could, that could be a great opportunity for you to get into not only a commercial development, but a hospitality commercial development in a A++++ spot that happens to be magically an opportunity zone. Yep. The only other opportunity zone I've ever consulted on was in an area that had, it was over in Sparks. Yeah, most of them are, they're, they're, most yeah. of them are pretty beat up They need markets. a little Jesus. But yes, but this one happens to be, yeah, we're, and this On be the River that, Rock. Uh, you'll be actually able to go in and, and enjoy your investment. Yeah, you can and touch it. You can, you can uh, be sit like, by the pool, I drink a, a cocktail and know that that's uh, producing your return. But I think in general, we're starting to see, you know, the market um, present opportunities and they're going to become more and more plentiful. And these are the five vital signs that I always look for, you know, in terms of what's going on in the real estate market, you know, from a micro and a macro perspective, existing home sales, new home building permits, notice of defaults, foreclosure sales and then 30-year fixed mortgage rates. And depending on the way those are trending, you can get a pretty accurate snapshot as to maybe where we're at and where things are heading towards. I mean, just with existing home sales, right? Just to pay attention to this piece, March of 2022, existing home sales in the US fell 4.5% during the last 12 months. That's the lowest since June of 2020. This was the second straight month of falling year-over-year home sales. Then you see right rising in mortgage interest rates. That's having an impact on home buyers. The affordability is a big issue for a lot of people right now. The affordability index dropped to 124 in March of 2020, which is again going back to 2008, the lowest since 2008. So there's some correlation here that we're starting to see with some of these things. And then, right when you start to see home builders and their amount of permits that they're pulling to produce inventory into the market, which mind you, inventory bottomed in March of 2022. It's now up 32% in the last two months. Week over week, up 4.2%. Trends, right? So yes, we're seeing inventory increase. Yes, we're seeing existing home sales drop. Yes, we're seeing new building permits slow. We're seeing notice of defaults rise. We're seeing foreclosure sales rise. And guess what? We're seeing fixed year, 30-year mortgage rates rise. So what are we heading towards? 
do I think we're in a bear market right now? No, I don't because we're still well below thresholds that would consider it a bear market, but we are trending towards a bear market right now. We are trending towards a buyer's market right now. And so those are things that one, as we trend towards that, the consumer and or right, just the players, the sentiment in the game, most people don't understand where we're at mm-hmm. until we're past that milestone. Yep. So that's where you as the investor have to discern where are we? What does everybody else think is going on? And how do I use this data to my advantage? Or how do I protect myself? All these people think it's still this and it ain't. So maybe I'm going to be a little bit more cautious. I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to look at different things, retool my strategy, get cashed up or get my you know, lending relationships dialed in or whatever it may be, right? To then when we do get there and people realize the negotiating, it changes. The posture, it changes. The narrative, it's changed. And therefore, you're already there by the time people actually get there and you're ready to capitalize on that. We're going to see more and more of those opportunities. There's going to be massive real estate investment opportunities over the next year, two, three years as this thing shakes out, as we kind of settle down and find where that, again, new kind of, I don't want to say bottom is, but things are going to cool down and we're going to kind of, based on what's going on in the overall economy, have to figure out where our footing's at to figure out where we want to start right, taking stride for uh, the new race that I think is going to present itself. But again, we don't know where the starting line is at. And right now, I think you got to be careful about what you're doing, what you're investing in. But if you're in a hard asset, it cash flows, it makes sense. You're operating it intelligently. I've been saying this over and over again, like a broken record. You're going to do fine if you're playing the long-term game. It's when these transitions and shifts are happening, you want to make sure you don't get caught doing something that could force you to take five steps down than just taking one back for a second to take five forward. Yep. So if you guys have any questions for us, shoot us a text at 844-447-1555. Don't forget to take advantage of the free financial x-ray with Ryan and his team. Text the word x-ray to that same number. Deals for all my credit investors that want to get on the deals list, want to talk about investing in the hotel or other opportunities that we got coming up. Text the word deals to 844-447-1555. With that being said, guys, Have a great week. Be careful out there. Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. We'll see you guys next week's episode. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that X-ray, one word to 844-447-1555. 
Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals, be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole, a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.